Okay. Uh, we're in the third week of this series on spiritual formation, uh, simply called Formed, and we're just looking at ways that we as human beings can be shaped into the likeness of Jesus. You see, God made humans in His image, meaning He put us here to as a, serve as a stand-in, a, a reflection of who He is, uh, and that means we were meant to live lives of purpose and joy and goodness and justice and peace and kindness, all of these things just kind of reflecting His goodness and fullness to all creation. But rather than do that, uh, just about every human being has chosen to live for ourselves, to try to determine our own way forward rather than living for the uh, path God placed us in. We've chosen rebellion against God rather than obedience to Him. And every time we have done that, every time we've rebelled, uh, big or small, that has deformed us away from that image. Uh, it has deformed us away from being that true, pure image of God. That we are like uh, wet clay. I said this a few weeks ago. We are like clay that has not fully set yet. We're very impressionable. And so everything forms us. You are being formed every minute of every day of your lives, for the good or for the bad. Uh, every uh, relationship you're in, every friendship you form, your habits, uh, your work environment, all that stuff leaves an impression on you, and it does on me. Um, and so, like I said, we're not set yet. We're still getting shaped. That's why people change over time, right? Those of you that are married, you look back at when you got married, and you can realize, I'm technically not married to the same person anymore. Because you've changed so much over time. And, and in fact, if you could time travel back, you might not even really like the person that you're married to or the person that they used to be. You might not even like, really, like boy, I married that. Like, what was I thinking? Like, because we change over time. And that's good. Um, that is a positive thing. At least it can be. Um, you know, for instance, um, newlywed Anthony assumed that his wife would enjoy all the same jokes and pranks that he and the people he lived with in college enjoyed. Um, and then he dumped a pitcher of cold water on her while she was in the shower. And newlywed Anthony got smart real quick. He had to learn and change and grow. That ain't funny, apparently. Um, there's still a part of uh, Anthony that doesn't understand why it's not funny, but he's at least smart enough to not do it again. Um, but that's true. It does depend on which side of the water you are on. That is, mm, boy, very, very true. Um, and... Uh, the thing about this, so you can get smarter and wiser as you grow older, right? But you can also get angrier and more bitter and grumpy or a host of other negative traits because, again, we're changing. We're impressionable. We're shaped. And the things in our lives, the things that we allow to come into our lives are the things that shape us. And so it all depends on what you are letting have that formative power in your life. That will determine who you become. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are kind of fortunate because when we surrender our lives to be led by Jesus and guided by him, he gives us a little extra help. He sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us and give us supernatural strength to say no to the things that deform us and yes to the things that properly form us. And the spiritual practices, at least the purpose of them, is to kind of clear space in our lives for the Holy Spirit to do some work. We push out all the other influences of life, all the negative stuff, and we 
position ourselves into an environment and a place and in an activity where the Spirit can properly do its work um, to shape us into the image of Jesus. Now, last week I had a bit of a tough sell talking about Sabbath, and I could just feel the eyes uh, and the thoughts when I was talking about that, all the people saying, but I have too much to do uh, to take time off. Okay, today hopefully though we're going to have a little bit of an easier sell as we talk about the spiritual discipline of prayer. The spiritual discipline of prayer. Now, I think we have misunderstood prayer in some really big, major, huge ways. And because we've misunderstood it, um, we have not experienced it as something that brings life and restoration and joy to us. Um, We've kind of wrongly made prayer just one more thing to do. It's just another thing to tack onto the to-do list that we know we should get around to, and we often don't. Um, and if we do get around to it, it's right as we're getting in bed and we go, oh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't pray today. I got to toss up a few prayers and then hopefully not fall asleep before I say amen. Because we think amen is like the send button on an email. And if we don't say amen, then God didn't get any of it and it doesn't count. And so we got, you know, that's just one of the many ways we've misunderstood prayer. But we have made prayer this kind of begrudged chore that we have to do, uh, rather than seeing it as a lifeline to the all-powerful, all-loving creator of the universe. And so we've turned prayer into this last resort that we'll run to if we have to, when things get bad, rather than this opportunity that you and I have to continually reach out to the presence of our great God. And so because we've misunderstood prayer, we often don't do it because it's not something that's a joy, something we exci- it's not something we're excited to do. So again, it becomes just another thing on the list that's just like doing the dishes. It's a, we rate it at that level of excitement oftentimes. We uh, at times avoid it. Because we're uneasy about it, we're inexperienced with it, it makes us feel a little bit, I don't know if I can do that. Or sometimes we're just scared. Like, what if I do it wrong? Will God be mad at me? Like, is there a formula to pray, right words to pray, and if I don't pray them right, God doesn't hear or answer any of my prayers. So, what we're going to try to do today is just kind of get an accurate understanding of what prayer is real quick and talk about um, a a couple of reasons why we often don't pray like we should. Um, So, first off, let's just define what prayer is. And this is like, it's not complicated, okay? This is not, I'm not going to wow you with anything remotely theological. In a minute, I'm going to hit this little button. The words are going to pop up on screen and no one's going to go, I had no idea, Okay? Because prayer is just talking to God. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God. Nothing crazy and outlandish. You can add more stuff to a definition like that. You can fill it out a little bit. Um, for instance, about a year and a half ago, we did a series on prayer um, where we talked about it for a few weeks. And the definition for prayer I gave was the powerful ability to speak to our God who lovingly hears us. Basically talking to God. Like it's this, you can add to it, you can add a few more, a bit of information to it, but at its essence, it's simply talking to God. And we've kind of made it, I think, something scary when it doesn't have to be scary or complicated. It's just talking to God. And so you and I, what we should see is prayer as an absolute gift. The fact that we have this direct line to the Father that we can pray to anytime, anywhere, any place about anything, that should be something that we count as a blessing that blows our minds that Jesus did that for us. Now, when you go back to Genesis, um, 
Adam and Eve had it better than even we do in that they got to walk with God. They were in the direct presence of God. He walked with them. But then when they sinned, he, they, they were exiled from his presence. And from that point on, things were different. Uh, we start seeing kind of uh, in Genesis chapter 12, God starts talking to Abraham. But it's not until Genesis 15 that we see Abraham talk back to God. In a moment of uncertainty, Abraham's like, oh yeah, well what about this? And so we start seeing this relationship form between God and man. But the fact that God makes a way for us to talk to him, that we can just lift up our tiny little human voices and he hears us and he takes the time to listen is something that I think is absolutely incredible. So prayer is not complicated. It doesn't have to be. It's talking to God and it's amazing and it's a gift and it's a shame that we don't see it that way. Um, so what are some simple reasons why we don't pray more? What are some reasons why we don't find it good to talk to God, why we don't look forward to talking to God? Um, well, I think there's a part of us where we're just kind of all afraid that we won't be good at it. I think we're just afraid that we're not going to be good at it or that we're going to get it wrong, or we feel like I'm, I just, I'm uncomfortable because I haven't ever done it very often. And where that really shows up is if you ever think, even enter the thought of praying in front of someone else out loud. Oh, man, a lot of people, just a shiver runs through you when you think, praying out loud in front of other people? No, thank you. And I think part of this is, uh, I don't know if I'd say my, my fault, um, but I'm at least the cause of it in that most of the time, the prayers people are familiar with are the ones given by the people that come up and stand on a stage, and we pray for the church. It's kind of a collective thing. And you think, wow, they just stand up there and they just do it like it's no big deal. And you feel like, oh, maybe they, that I've always got the right words or that, you know, I just, at least I stand here and I do it without fear. Maybe that's something that's like, wow, so only certain people are good, quote, good at prayer. That's where I think we get off track is when you start thinking someone can be good at prayer or bad at prayer. We feel like they have it all figured out and I, there's some things that I just haven't learned yet or some experience I don't have yet, okay? And you think, what if I pray something dumb and someone hears me? Oh, heaven forbid, what's going to happen? But here's the thing about being good or bad at prayer. There's only one way you can mess up prayer. By not doing it. That's the only way you can get it wrong, is by not doing it, okay? Jesus' disciples asked him how to pray, and he opens with this in Matthew chapter 6, verses, uh, just start with verse 9, it says, Jesus says, then pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he teaches them right off the bat that these guys, regular, ordinary people, get to call the God of the universe, Father. They get to use an intimate, like, title for this special, holy, beautiful, dangerous God, and they get to go to him and say, Father. Now, that is not something you see in the Old Testament. Like, there's references to God as the Father of Israel, but you really don't see people calling God directly Father. That was something that kind of came with Jesus. He introduced that we, through him, can pray to the Father and have this intimate connection. And so, for those of you who are parents... You want a relationship with your kids, right? That's the way that this works. They come out and they're born all cute and wonderful so that you fall in love with them. They can't talk back yet. They can't be rude yet. They can't say no and do any of that stuff they learn to do. And they're cute and you fall in love with them and that connection is formed for life and you just want to know them and love them. And even when they do things where you know life with them gets really messy and they can be rude and inconsiderate and selfish and all of that, 
you still love them and you still want to be a part of their life and you want them to love you too. I think one of the reasons why God being our Father is such a monumental theme throughout the New Testament is to help us understand that, that we can come to the Father with, and He receives us with open arms of love and joy. And so God loves you. That's something that just in this very phrase of Jesus telling us that we can call God our Father, that should tell us God loves us as we are. He doesn't love some idealized version of you. You know, there's a part of us that kind of thinks, you know, if I can get cleaned up, God would be more happy with me. God would like me more if I would stop doing these things and start doing these things. God would be more pleased with me. But God loves you as you are, exactly where you are. He doesn't love you only when you do things right, only when you say the right things or do the right things. He just loves you. You are his beloved child. And because he loves you, he sent Jesus to kind of clear away our sinful pasts so that we could have this direct access to him and call him our father. And so you can come to him with whatever. You can come to him with a lot of prayer experience. You can come to him saying, God, I don't even know really what to say. Here I am. Father, help me to learn how to do this. Learn to help me how to talk to you. Help me figure this thing out. You can come with that. You don't have to show him your best behavior. You don't have to filter yourself. And if you want proof of this, as I kind of mentioned earlier, just look through the book of Psalms. It is such a chaotic book. It has some of the most beautiful uh, hymns of praise and honoring God for how good he is. And then right next to it, you'll turn a page and it'll be something so raw and insecure and angry and frustrated. And they're all in the same Bible. They were, I mean, if I were putting together, if I were just making all this up and now we're going to put together the prayer book, I would do some editing on the Psalms. Because there's some stuff in there that's like you're reading, you're like, is that Okay. That that's in the Bible? Boy, I can't believe somebody prayed this at some point. These are things that like thoughts sometimes are in there that you think, I wouldn't even want somebody to know that I have these thoughts, let alone say them to God, let alone write them down so people later can read them for years and years and years and know what kind of a crazy, horrible person I am. And so one instance, we have Psalm 140. David prays while asking God to rescue him from evil men. He says this, as for the head of those who surround me, the enemies, let those, or let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Like, that's not exactly the love your enemies vibe that Jesus was kind of passing on in the New Testament, right? And so you read this, you're like, that's kind of rough. Like, he wants these people to, like, fall into a pit and never come out again. And so David, though, he was weary, he was tired, he was frustrated. And even though this prayer might not reflect holiness and righteousness, it was honest. And by having it be included in Scripture, what we learn is that we can come to God with every bit of who we are. We do not have to hide in other places fearing that God is going to be disappointed with us. Another good one where David shows that he's disappointed with God comes in Psalm 69. This is just verse 3. He says, I am weary with my crying out, meaning I've been yelling for help and yelling for help and yelling for help. I'm tired of yelling for help. My throat is parched. God, I've been yelling for help so long, my throat hurts. 
My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Meaning, I've been looking around for you coming and helping. I've been looking and looking so long. My eyes, I'm wearing out my eyes. God, I've worn out my throat and I've worn out my eyes looking for your help. And you haven't shown up. He feels abandoned by God because God didn't give him help exactly when he wanted it. And didn't come through right in the way he wanted it to. And so he kind of throws some shade at God with his prayer. I've screamed all my screams. I've worn on my eyes looking for help. God, why haven't you showed? And yet, most of us think something like this would be an inappropriate thing to pray. God, where are you? How come you didn't show up? I'm worn out and you're, I'm doing my thing. You're not doing your thing. How dare you? We think that's kind of an inappropriate thing to pray. But yet, the, shockingly, the shocking honesty found in the book of Psalms, it again shows us that God isn't looking for prepared speeches, for a, a holy a certain order of words that's very righteous and, and ideal and perfect that reflects great theology. No, it shows us that God just wants us to show up and pray and to meet him with who we are. He just wants you to show up and pray. C.S. Lewis, he's the one who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He says this, We must lay before him, God, what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And I think that's one thing that keeps us from prayer. We feel like we've got to bring God who we ought to be rather than who we are. Uh, pastor Tyler State, and he's a pastor in Oregon right now. He just wrote a whole book on prayer. Here's what he says. When it comes to prayer, God isn't grading essays. Like, you remember getting the papers back covered in red ink? Like, and like, you're like, man, I thought I did good on this one. And now it's like terrible. And like, that's how I, he's like, that's not what prayer is. God's not sitting there going, mm-hmm, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That, that's not it. He's not grading essays. He's talking to children. He's talking to his kids. So if God can delight in prayers as dysfunctional as the ones wedged into the middle of the Bible, he can handle yours too without you cleaning them up first. So I think sometimes we have this idea that I've got to pray a certain way, be a certain kind of prayer, not prayer, prayer. I've got to be a certain kind of person who prays certain kinds of things, and I've got to be good at it, or, or, or something like that. That's nonsense. Now, I understand if you're uncomfortable praying because you just haven't done it that much, but let me tell you, that goes away with time. Like, you just get more comfortable doing things, but do not feel like you have to offer something certain to God or special or, or unique. God just welcomes us as we are. We can bring our real self to our real God. Now, one of the biggest things, I think, that also trips us up about prayer, that we get horribly, horribly wrong, is the idea that we think prayer, we, we kind of make it in our minds, this little activity that we have to put and insert into our day. It's, it's, it's like doing the dishes. It's like getting gas in the car, picking the kids up from school. It's just we make it a little category of a thing we have to do. And so we think of prayer as this occasional activity, okay? You gotta, it's on there with, oh, I got you know, I got to make lunch or make, make time to have lunch with that friend. I got to do that eventually. It's, you know, I got to make time to go to the gym. I got to head to the grocery store. And so we tend to see prayer as this thing on our to-do lists. But God isn't looking at you like you're some friend from college and he hopes you call every once in a while. That's not how this works. He actually wants to live in your life. He wants to have a regular, daily, constant presence in your life. He wants you to walk through life with him. Not occasional chats, but regular, consistent relationship. And so what that means is rather than prayer being this thing we think we've got to get to at some point in the day, we should weave prayer into our entire days. I don't think you should just pray once a day. 
I gotta pray before I hit my, my head, pet, my bed hit, or my head hits the, the pillow, or I, you gotta pray when I first get up. No, I think we should just kind of always be people who are praying. We should always have prayer just kind of showing up throughout our day. When you're driving and you're frustrated, you could say, okay, God, help me. I'm frustrated. Help me calm down and be patient. Uh, when you're in the shower, all right, God, here's another day coming at me. Help me prepare to be someone who can love people the way you love them. Or maybe you shower at the end of the day. Oh, God, what a mess that was. Help me to do better tomorrow. That's, I mean, you can just, prayers can be something that are constantly flowing from you. Um, if you're about to walk into a meeting with that coworker you don't like, oh, Lord, bless me to love my enemies the way, and see them the way you see them because I'm having a hard time today and I know how this is going to go. Um, when you're putting your kids on the bus or you're dropping them off at school, Pray, Father, bless these kids. When they go to school, let them be a bigger influence for good in the lives of others than others are uh, for an influence for evil in their lives. Like, pray something over your kids as they head into school. Um, when you do or say something that hurts someone else, don't just say sorry. Take time to pray, Father, forgive me for that. And please, let your spirit start working out the, that evil inside of me that caused me to do something so hurtful. There's a ton of moments throughout the day that we have to send prayers to God and invite him into our everyday regular lives. It can be a sentence, it can be a half a sentence. And if you forget to say amen, it's not like the send on the email. It's still okay, he still knows. But we can go on and on. It doesn't have to be this hour-long session on your knees when the sun's rising. It could. I think we'd all be better if we did a little more of that. But ultimately, prayer should be this constant presence in our days. It's not an activity we get around to. It's this continual enjoying of living in the presence of our God. Now, the Apostle Paul, um, he talked a lot about this and even said, kind of gave us a, a lot about this certain idea of, of praying constantly. Um, the clearest um, comes in First. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but he talked about it other places. This is just the shortest and clearest and most succinct way he says it. But if you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, he always opens with prayer. Most of the time he talks about prayer in the middle of them, or he teaches about how to pray, all that kind of stuff. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17, he says this, pray without ceasing. Some translations just say pray continually. Um, to give you a better idea of what this means, and this is so funny, sometimes you just find a little gem, uh, a nugget in some of the history of the stuff that's so funny, um, and it tickles me, and I'm going to probably remember this forever now, but it's, this is two Greek words, one is translated pray, and one is translated without ceasing. The word that's translated with, without ceasing was the same word used to describe that nagging cough that you get that lingers like after the cold has gone away and the cough sticks around for a few weeks or a month or whatever, right? That's the word. Like, you know that cough. You've had that cough. Maybe you just got over that cough. Maybe you're like holding it in right now. I don't know. But we've all had that cough and it ends up being like that constant companion that just goes with you everywhere. You go to work, you're not sick. You don't have a temperature. So you're going to work. And then all the day long, you're like, <coughs> you're holding it in or you're doing stuff and then you got to like take a second to like step aside and like cough your brains out and then go back and people look at you like are you okay like yeah I just got this cough that I can't quite shake it's always with me I can't get rid of it he says that's what prayer should be 
It should be this thing that is always with us, always a part of our lives. We don't want to get rid of it. It's just there. We have this open communication with God, whether we're driving somewhere, whether we're out in the yard working, whether you're uh, walking into church, whether you're going into the grocery store. There's just everything becomes an opportunity to talk to God about and seek his help in your life. So Paul tells us through this one little word that prayer is meant to be this constant companion. It's supposed to be a continual practice. And so to pray this way, it changes the way you think because it changes the fact that you think God's up there somewhere. It makes God here. He's a friend beside you, always always eager to listen, always to talk to. He's beside you in all of life's circumstances. He's walking with you through the good and through the bad. And so to pray continually is to live continually in God's presence. And so I think we have to shift ourselves away from seeing prayer as this little occasional thing that I've got to get done by the end of the day or else I'm a bad person and to think, no, I have this opportunity to talk to God every day, all day long. And you don't have to interrupt your life. Again, you can do it while you're typing on a computer, while you're checking your email, while you're dialing your kid's phone number. There's a million different ways that you can do this. And so we need to stop looking at prayer as a chore. It's not a chore. It's not supposed to be a chore. It's not supposed to be this thing that we will get to if we're not too tired. One of the most common things um, on like a church survey or a survey of Christians is when they ask them how they feel about their prayer life. It's always like 80% say, I wish I prayed more. Like I know, or, or I know I should pray more. Like, well, okay, that, that tells me that maybe it's not just a matter of willpower, but we just need to change how we're thinking about it. And so we need to stop avoiding it out of discomfort or fear. We need to start seeing it as a beautiful invitation into the life of God and to bring him into our life. It's a chance to seek his help in every trial, big or small, every frustration, big or small. It's a chance to thank him for every blessing, big or small, and it's a chance to surrender every day and every moment to his guidance and his care. So my challenge, I said I'm going to give it a challenge every week that we do one of these and we talk about a new um, spiritual discipline. So my challenge for you today is that every day this week, pray at some point. I know I just said that prayer should be an all-day thing, not just something to add to your to-do list, and here I am giving it to you as a to-do list. I understand the irony of this assignment. But I really think most Christians probably get through a day or go, when is the last time I prayed? You know, I feel bad. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I feel like I should know the answer to that. I feel like it's something that we just often don't do. And so I just at least want us to start with at least praying one time every day. And one fun little way, a bit of advice I read this week was someone just said, don't pray as you can't. Pray as you can. If you ever heard someone talk about, oh, I get up every day and pray three hours before I go to work, and you think, I could never do that, then don't do that. Don't think that's the goal. Start with one minute, two minutes. Start with anything at all, a sentence, as long as we are entering into this practice. And again, prayer gets to be kind of a guilt-free zone. If you say, man, I only prayed for 30 seconds today. You know what God's like? Man, I'm so glad my child came and talked to me this morning. That's what he's going to, it's not him hating you because you did it wrong. We've got to remove some of that guilt that we've piled around it. Start where you are. Don't feel like you have to pray an hour, okay? It'll, if you don't, if you're not ready for that, it will feel like the longest hour of your life. Um, Years ago, 
we did a uh, like a, a 24-hour Easter like prayer. What do you call those? Vigil. There we go. I was like prayerathon. That's not the word. Like a Toyotathon. Anyway, um, and it was we did like 15-minute chunks, and there were people that were like 15 minutes. How do, that's an eternity. How do you pray for 15 minutes? And if you feel that way, that's okay. I'm not here to say, all right, you got 24 hours. Go, start praying forever. No, start where you are. God is just going to be glad that we're reaching out to him and inviting him into our lives. Um, and if you find yourself zoning out, don't think, man, I'm such a loser. I had two minutes to pray, and I couldn't even make it through two minutes without starting to think about stuff. Okay, no, that's the wrong way to think about it. Every time your mind wanders, look at it as an invitation. You have an opportunity to return back into the presence of God. If your mind wanders a thousand times, that's a thousand invitations. God is saying, hey, come back. Come back to me. All that other stuff, I get it. It's important and it's going on, but let's talk for a minute. It's just your Father who wants to talk with you. And um, if you don't do it great the first time, that's okay. He knows you're trying. He knows you want to be better at it. He knows you're inviting him to be more a part of your life. But prayer is one of those things that should be so basic and elemental to the life of a Christian. And I just, I just get the feeling that we're, we haven't invited it into our lives and we aren't experiencing the power of it the way that we should. Um, we don't pray as much privately as we should and individually as we should. But another example or reason that I think this is not common is we don't pray with each other the way we should. And I don't mean like, what do you mean, Anthony? I sat here and we all prayed. We prayed together. Look at that. We all did it together. No, I mean like if it would be considered scary to most of us if we walked into church some morning and before the service starts, you're just chatting with somebody and they tell you about something difficult going on in their life. It would be scary to most of us to say, can I pray for you right now? And to kind of take them aside and to pray for them in that moment. That's something that seems weird and odd, and it shouldn't be weird and odd. We like to say, I'll pray for you, and then, but really I won't. Like, that's why our culture is getting so, like, fed up with our thoughts and prayers. Like, there's pushback against it now, and we get mad. How dare they get mad at our prayers? No, I think it's probably a legit critique that we need to be like, yeah, right, we're not. We're saying prayers as a escape to actually do anything about it when the very least we could do is say let me pray for you about this right now and they're going to appreciate more you taking the time to say father they're in a hard time bless them what they're going through amen then if you gave some long theological thing we should this should be so much more a part of who we are and it's not and i think it's just because we've we've been looking at it wrong it's just an invitation to talk with our heavenly Father, both by ourselves and with the rest of our church family. So when it comes to prayer, the best thing you can do is show up and just keep showing up. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for uh, this line of communication that we have with you, that we can talk with you. And so I pray that you would put this on our minds, that regularly throughout the day, we would just think, I need to talk to God. I can talk to God about this. And help us to throw up a sentence here and a sentence there and a thank you there and a help over here so that we can bring you into our lives more and we can live with the the truth that you are beside us in all that we say and all that we do, that you're walking through life with us. You're not a distant uh, partner, but you're a close friend. And so, Father, help us as we uh, leave here, as as we take off from church this morning and we go back to the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. I just pray that you would help 
this be more present in the front of our minds as we go through our, our every day, that we need to pray more to you and we can pray to you about absolutely anything. And let us be encouraged and uh, comforted when we maybe look into the, some of the Psalms and we realize that uh, they're kind of rough, but at least they're honest. And so you're inviting us to be honest and to bring you um, anything that's in our lives so that we can um, just find your comfort, find your help, find your, um, your strength in moments that are difficult. So Father, help us to be people of prayer. Let it be a, uh, something that we lean on and take joy in and um, we get to the point where we think, how, how would my life be without prayer? How could I get through the day without prayer? But so that it's a constant thing that we, we come to love and need. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.